an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Walker the Nerds podcast number 861. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Uh, so if you need any kind of digital anything to promote yourself or your products or your services, just share your ideas. Maybe you just have some ideas you want to put in the world and social media is too toxic or too, uh, I don't know, bite-sized, and you just want it to be all about you, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into a thing, including a free domain. Not to mention Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, which create a beautiful website. It's a very simple and intuitive process. Just add and arrange your content with a click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code NERDIST to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, let's go to the NERDIST community corkboard. Uh, our pal Ron Babcock... This comedian has a new album out this Thursday, March 30th, called This Guy. You can get it on iTunes and at surethingrecords.com. Also, Brina Gavin writes, I'm a nutritionist, and after almost three years of graduate school and 1,000 hours of a clinical internship, I'm starting a side project I'm really proud of, a small boutique integrative nutrition practice that I run myself. For every one regular client consultation I do, I will volunteer my time and match that hour with an hour of pro bono work with a low-income family uh, in South Central. So this pro bono work includes working with new mothers for postnatal care, both for mom and baby, tons of working with at-risk youth to help them develop ideas for healthy food choices, how to choose healthy lunches, meal options on a budget. How to take care of their bodies, functional foods to eat, build up immunity during cold and flu season. Uh, If you want more info about what integrative nutrition is, which is sort of an East meets West philosophy, check out her company, The Simple Leaf. It is thesimpleleafnutrition.com. And she also has an Instagram with some recipes, health food facts at at thesimpleleaf, which bleeds very nicely into this episode of the podcast is Brandon Routh, who is promoting Legends of Tomorrow on the CW, Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Uh, Liddy and I met Brandon and his wife, Courtney Ford, about, it was almost actually exactly a year ago at, uh, Nathan Fillion had a, at a, a gathering at his house, and we met them there and talked for a while, and just fantastic people. Uh, and, you know, we became friends, and then it was always a, hey, let's, you know, I'd love to get you on the podcast, and it finally happened, but... We actually talk a lot about fitness and nutrition in this episode, and it's not something that I talk a ton about normally because, I don't know, I'm still – I don't want to say embarrassed to talk about fitness, but it, I still have these like deep-seated ideas from my youth about what fitness dudes were like, fitness bros, uh, and I did not have a lot of positive associations with that. But when I got into my 30s and I started getting healthy, uh, I really, you know, I've been training with my buddy Tom Dieters for like, oh, I don't know, 13, 12, 13 years now, 12 years now. 
And if it weren't for fitness, I would never be able to do all the things that I do. And it is one of the most significant choices that I ever made in my life. So it was nice to be able to talk about it with uh, Brandon, who's uh, very much a, a fit guy and is really smart. Brandon is uh, super – he just – you know, it's it's – it's so interesting that he plays the character that he plays in Legends of Tomorrow because he really is a brainiac. And, uh, and so we had a really nice chat. So uh, Brandon Routh on this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, which, by the way, was also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stop going to the damn post office. Mail any letter or package using your computer, uh, your printer, the mail carrier picks it up. Avoid all the hassles of the stupid post office and mail everything from postcards, envelopes, to packages, domestic or international. Create your stamps account in minutes online with no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments. And unlike a post office, it never closes. 24-7. It it works around your schedule. It is convenient. It is easy. It is reliable. It is flexible. Stamps.com brings all the services to your fingertips. They're going to send you a digital scale. So right now, please continue to enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage in a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com under the promo code NERDIST. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. And now, here's the NERDIST podcast number 861 with Brandon Routh. Katie Levine, would you be so kind? Now entering NERDIST.com. I know I was confused because I did the meltdown. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Being wise enough to go. That's what I was like. The first time I did that, I was like, oh, Nerdist. Crispy, your empire is so huge. (laughs) It's so, it's so sprawling. It's so sprawling. No, it's. uh, I know it's a little confusing because there's a few of things. There's a few different parts of it, but. I don't know. It usually makes sense in my head. And then sometimes I'm like, no, a Nerdist is – it's not me because that happens all the time. Yeah. I go, oh, I'm going to do Nerdist. Well, I see you go, oh, no, no, no. I think you're doing something with Jessica Chobot or you're doing something at the I mean, I would have so much time in my day. <laughs> you have to reach the, the, the top of the echelon to get to meet me. You have to go through my other foot soldiers to see if you're worthy to get to the boss level. I'm a boss battle, you guys. I'm a boss battle. But, uh, but, you, but you just came straight. Like you have permanent access at all times. I mean, you and your wife were at our wedding. I mean, that's, that, right. that's about as much one of the coolest, amazing weddings. Did you uh, other than my own wedding? Of I course, think that, um, which I can't be uh, partial about or impartial about. But uh, I did have a great time. Oh, good! I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, the only strange thing was was the craziest like party beforehand. Like the cocktail hour. Yeah. Was. It was like a Hollywood party. I mean, a <laughs> veritable who's who's and meeting some family and some other friends, um, people that I knew and, and knew people. Um, but that in itself was just like kind of a cool oh. ca- casual because they're like, they, were, they were cool people. They weren't like, you know, hobnobbing with schmuckety schmucks. Yeah, and, um, they were really nice. It was a really nice group. Real but... conversations to be had, you know? Not yeah. Just... Well, we, were, we, we really wanted it to be fun for everyone and, and not make people sit through a – 
a bunch of stuff that was only meaningful to us. Because yeah. I think people, I think it's like, well, you got to consider your guests at the wedding and they, mm-hmm. you want them to have fun and not, ha- that's so, I, I killed, no toasts, there was only one toast, Lydia's best friend. I was uh, waiting for the best man, best man speech. There was no, yeah, no, no speeches. Because they never, it's always the most awkward part of any wedding is all the toasts where it's like 400 people or however many people are there don't know the inside story. So someone's drunk up there going, and do you remember when we, you and I, we had these nicknames for each other? And then everyone's like, ah, I, I, I don't know. So we want it to be as fun and, and, and seamless as possible. But I'm sorry we didn't get to spend more time hanging out with, with you and Courtney because it... There were people that I didn't even know were there that just didn't come up to me. And they're like, you looked busy. Well, I mean, you know, having been through a wedding, I understand the demands and, and all that. Uh, and, and we just have co- become recently acquainted uh, in a way. And so, you know, I figured there were people who he wanted to spend more time with. You have, you've been married like 10 years, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Now, now what, what advice can you give? <laughs> A newlywed having ten years of marriage under your belt. Uh, you know, it's 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 cheesy, but it's true. It's communication, mm-hmm. um, and the older you get, the better you get at communicating um, with your with your significant other, with yes. people. I mean, communication in life is is the important thing, and um, and I think for me, being a person that has a history of of kind of not wanting to upset people, yep. So I won't tell them everything that maybe. <laughs> I'm upset about or have right. a, just a, maybe just a little thing and so then it just kind of you hold on to it and then it becomes a bigger thing than right. it should so then then it, then it should be so talking about those little things and not making ha- having an open having an open line of communication like not making anybody a bad guy to talk about something that can improve the relationship right um, I think is a big thing and that pays off you know if you anybody who has kids will know that communication is a huge part too because you have to be able to communicate. If you and your if you and your spouse can't deal communications before you have a kid, then you're going to have a lot of well, a lot of issues because good, then you have to communicate like triple the time to make sure that you are both on the same plan and stuff. And well, we talk about kids, but um, but anyway. Well, the good news is everyone who has a kid is a master of communication, right? Every person that. <laughs> <laughs> the world would be a better place if we were, but that's part of the that's that's part of the life, you know. Well, it is, but I but I remember when we when Lindy and I met, when we really I had the first kind of conversation with you with both of you at I think it was at Fillion's house. Yeah, and we left. I was like, wow, they're super smart. Like you, it just you both just radiate brain energy, oh. and and I was like, we got to hang out with them. We got to hang out with them. But then, you know, where do you shoot Legends? Was that Vancouver? Vancouver. Yeah, Yeah. it's just scheduling sucks. It's rough. Um, I'm just finally back. We finished uh, last uh, Monday, so I've been home a week, um, our season two. Um, And it's nice to be home, be on hiatus, and have a couple months off to just be here. Um, My wife and my son, they spend most of the time here. Although my wife is shooting Supernatural, mm-hmm. which shoots next door to us. So she's done five or six episodes, I think, by the time the season's over. Um, so that's been nice. They've both come up, and, and it's been a good family time. Um, but I'm done until July. And, and just walking, just parking my car and walking over here to the little studio. Uh, I'm like, oh, man, this is this is so nice. This is, first of all, it's sunny, and it's well, 65 degrees. Yep. Not really warm, but it's beautiful. And... 
this is this is one of the things that I love about being in this industry. But Vancouver <laughs> is a very different experience <laughs> because uh, it's rainy most of the time. It's a lovely city, um, very nice people and, and great food. Uh, but this, it's not the same. Like it's not Hollywood. It's right. not. Uh, you go, walk on the lot and you see other shows shooting. Right. And it feels like the energy of creativity and yeah. things. This is Hollywood energy that doesn't exist in 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 Vancouver so much. So um, I definitely am jealous coming back here. Well, this lot is about a hundred years old, mm. and when you kind of look around and see, you can see some of the there's posters everywhere, these giant billboard yeah. posters everywhere. You see like, oh, they shot Burns and Allen here, and I Love Lucy, and and um, uh, um, Laurel and Hardy and old westerns. I mean, this it you you find places. This is really the most history that we have yeah. in this town is you know built around this industry. But I do love Vancouver. Vancouver is such a nice. It's just the town has just a good vibe to it. It is. It's you know, and and it's one of the only places that I can get you can get wild salmon sushi, um, <laughs> which is like you know, it's all farmed salmon here in Los Angeles. You know, we think that Los Angeles is the health capital of the world in some ways, but. Vancouver and, and other places in Canada actually doing uh, things, some things better than we are. Oh yeah, as, I think um, the, I think the as whole, far as good, healthy, quality food. Yeah, the Pacific Northwest and Western yes. Canada yeah. has a real. I think they have a yeah, much Seattle, better handle. Seattle, Portland area. Yeah, like real. Did you guys, do you ever pop over? Do you ever I've been a little bit. I drove down last year. I drove my uh, had my car shipped up and then drove it back down with my dad at the end of last oh, season. Oh, that's nice. Which is fun. We had a little road trip and we stopped at uh, there's a place called Caveman Cafe or Caveman something. Sorry, Portland Portlanders, uh, Portlandia. <laughs> Listen, but it's even, a great. Uh, even if you could remember the name of it, they would probably tell you that you were saying it wrong. It's a paleo place anyway up yeah. there, and uh, it's pretty great. Is it, or do you eat paleo? Pretty much, yeah. I follow. Uh, I do a, a bulletproof diet, um, which is a version of a paleo diet, which is uh, bulletproof coffee. I just listened oh. to the Alan Tudyk podcast and oh, realized yes. you don't drink coffee. I didn't know that about you. Um, uh, or you can't. The I caffeine can't. It makes is me a, crazy. So your so your body probably uh, doesn't metabolize caffeine very well. You could do a genetic test to kind of figure that out. No, I actually don't. I have issues with that too, but not as crazy as you uh, sounds. But um, so bulletproof coffee is is grass fed butter and coconut oil and uh, anyway, whole other thing that I won't get into. No, you should actually because it it, it does it. It does it just kind of like uh, do a clean sweep of your system and keep everything. It it affects how the caffeine. Uh, enters your body because it's wrapped in fat, so you blend it up, mm-hmm. so it makes it frothy like a like a latte, um, essentially. But it, it definitely changes the the uptake of caffeine in your body because your, your fat cells have your, excuse me, your cells of your body have fats have a fat membrane. Mm-hmm. So because the coffee and the caffeine is wrapped in fat because it's been emulsified, it enters the body slower. So it's not like oh. I just had caffeine. Right. Like a burst. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Have caffeine. And then it leaves your body in a more uh, sustained release, I guess, <laughs> uh, or departing. So it's not like, oh, you don't have a caffeine high and then caffeine low. Interesting. Um, and and I, the, I started doing this, gosh, almost three, three years ago. Um, and for me, it was an amazing amount of energy, just brain energy, because there's a whole myth about fat. Uh, fat's bad for us. Fat is not bad for us. Certain fats are bad for us, but largely fat is really powerful and important and a great source of fuel for our bodies. It's an alternate source of fuel versus sugar, Mm -hmm. um, which has a lot of damaging aspects to it. So I basically bulletproof, the idea of bulletproof eating is um, being more fat fueled. Um, So I consume a lot more fat, but high quality good fat. Sure. um, That also gives me brain energy and overall body energy. Um, And I I often say, and I wrote, I guess that, um, um, uh, it turned on a light in my head and my brain that I didn't know was off. 
kind of like a brain fog that I had that I that I had, had so, for so long that I didn't know. That's existed. really interesting. It cut through that and gave me much more energy to communicate the way I'm communicating now and have a free, free flow maybe of I should Maybe I should at least try you and can, see what happens. You can do it without coffee or caffeine. Caffeine adds a certain element, but you can do it with uh, decaf English breakfast tea or whatever. I just bought matcha. Some people do it with matcha. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to try that, which obviously has caffeine too. Maybe they have a decaf one. I don't know. But um, the other thing about, about Bulletproof Coffee – Beans can make their own coffee beans. This coffee is is uh, moldy. Is moldy. Has yep. grows mold. All food grows mold. Yep. At a certain point, it starts to degrade. That's the process of life. Um, but coffee, both in the way it's grown and the way it's harvested, um, uh, has a propensity to grow mold. Mm-hmm. And that mold uh, that's on the coffee beans is what gives a lot of people jitters, anxiousness, uh, upset stomach. Um, acid reflux and things like that. Those are all the things that I suffered from. So a clean coffee bean, you may have a different experience. You may sure. not because if, you're, if genetically bodies doesn't process caffeine well, it may just not do well in caffeine. It may not have to do – but mold has just like black mold, mold sure. on our food, mold on peanuts, aflatoxin A, which is a mold that's on peanuts. I'm boring people with science. Um, no, no. They want to hear you talk uh, science. There's a, there's or, maybe, a lot, or maybe that kind of food science though. I don't know. There's a lot of people there that are just discovering this whole other sexy side of you <laughs> that are like, oh my god, talk more about molds and fungus. Um, Yes, uh, <laughs> deep dive into mold and fungus, with but it's around. good, you know. Is it? But it, it but it's all good because I, uh, not to bore you too much about my personal physiology, but uh, my, when I got a physical last year, the doctor's like, your cholesterol is real high, mm. and uh, and I'm in pretty good shape, and that was very was that very upsetting to learn. Yeah. So so cholesterol is another real. It's not a misdirect, but it's it's it's. Um, Cholesterol is not the marker of health that we think it is, mm-hmm. both low and both high. Right. I, I, I used my hand and I <laughs> did indicate. I did it opposite, um, but I did it opposite, um, both low and both low high. Low and high. Now I corrected. There we go. Uh, for those watching at home. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a lot of books about it, a lot of podcasts about it. I learned a lot about it by listening to podcasts, um, the Bulletproof podcast and a lot of other different podcasts. But um, – Essentially, cholesterol is really powerful and important for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need it. It's a hormone in our body. Um, and when you have too low of cholesterol, that can be uh, fatal sure. and have consequences. And too high cholesterol, yes, is a marker for certain things. But it is not a true marker or is a strong a marker for heart health and, and uh, arterial health as uh, it's made out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I strive to have a higher cholesterol, overall cholesterol, right, as long as the there are different types of cholesterol. Right, 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 right. Big fluffy uh, cholesterol particles, and there's sk- small ones. You, you want more of the big fluffy ones. I think I'm forgetting all of it now. But needless to say, I can't get into the whole mechanics of cholesterol. But there are. There's. I think there's a book called like the Cholesterol Myth, or just different books um, about cholesterol. And strictly trying to lower cholesterol is not a winning health strategy. Does this diet? Is this diet a good diet for that? Uh, this would probably could probably push people's total cholesterol a little bit higher, possibly, but it's because it's increasing your good your HDL, right, and lowering your triglycerides, right, 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 um, which are the LDLs. Yes, uh, well, yeah, and triglycerides are kind of a sub uh, a sub category, um, and that's what makes things sticky. So when you have a lot of sugar. When you have a lot of sugar, it, it kind of uh, – in, in your bloodstream, it can create a lot of triglycerides, um, even if the thing you're having doesn't really have cholesterol in it. Is that right? Uh, don't, don't quote me uh, on, on the science. Now all the cardiologists are tweeting yeah. in, what are you saying? 
But, um, uh, but you basically, the end result is you just don't want plaque to build up in your arteries. Exactly. And, and you know, I did a um, – uh, well, I'll get into myself. But, um, Please. I did a, uh, I did a, a CT scan mm-hmm. um, of, my, of, my, of my chest – uh, of my arteries for uh, doing a battery of tests with a, a doc that I'm working with on myself. And it it uh, tests for plaque buildup. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to test, but this is kind of the first thing they do. Um, and I had – sorry, not plaque buildup, but um, um, – uh, f- Metachlorians? No, metachlorian buildup. Crime and Nitley. Criminally is an Iowa term. Um, uh, it creates bone, bone, um, calcium, calcium. Thank you, calcium buildup, and I had zero. I had a zero, score of zero calcium buildup, which is pretty extraordinary um, because I think a lot of people have have some right. Um, and calcium buildup is created from a lot of different uh, reasons. But anyway. Uh, my cholesterol is very is what I deem very good. There's a different level of what people will call cholesterol. Oh my god! So no, we'll stop no, talking. No, um, not at all. Because this is. I mean, was all this driven by the fact that? Well, I'm on TV. I probably need to be in good shape. And oh wow, I'm discovering all these things about that through that process. Kind of, but mostly for my son. So when he turned one. I found out this information and started to kind of go down this rabbit hole when he was turning one and he was starting to eat solid foods. He mm-hmm. um, was breastfed uh, for a year, but then you started to do, you know, smashed avocado and you know, mushy food. And then they go into uh, eating solid foods and figuring out how am I going to feed him? Like, this is my, this is the most important thing in the world. I got to make sure I'm feeding it right. the right things. And my friend's like, at a, my friend said, Hey, have you heard of Bulletproof Coffee? And I was like, No, what's that? He put butter and uh, a coconut oil in your coffee. And I was like, What? That sounds great for weird. babies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That sounds weird. Uh, but let me read about it. He sent me the, the link uh, to the blog, and I read, and I was like, Whoa, what Dave Asprey, who's the founder, uh, what he was saying about fat or educating me about fat was really enlightening and interesting because it was turning everything on its head. And so then I just went deep into it and listened to all the podcasts. Um, and I, like the next day, I gave it a shot and I cut out gluten, grains, um, did bulletproof coffee. I was putting a lot more butter in my coffee at the beginning than I do now. Mm-hmm. You kind of ramp up to it and your body craves the fat once you start giving it kind of what it wants. You can follow it a little bit. Um, and that's when the light turned on and I started dropping weight. Um, I think I dropped over like three months, 15, 20 pounds, kind of just excess sitting around weight mm-hmm. without changing my, you know, what I was doing physically. Oh, wow. Um, because my body was becoming a, a more clean and efficient fueled machine. Um, I ate less. So uh, anti-aging uh, the- <laughs> uh, a theory, or I think it's proven. Because you're 63? I'm 63, yeah. yeah you look reverse amazing. reverse my aging. Yeah, Go you back look 20 amazing. Years, lo- drop 20 pounds and 20 years. <laughs> um, it's to eat less. If you eat less, you'll age slower because your body has to break down less and is doing less work, right? Interesting. Is I, I believe that's a proven science thing. It's it's well thought of and well um, used. Uh, Were you theory, always into right? this? Because you, I, I mean, Superman got me into it definitely a lot. I would imagine. And even before when I started. I mean, the first thing I ever had knowledge I had about health was when I was still in Iowa mm-hmm. and I was working 
I started – they got this free membership at Seven Flags. It was a gym called Seven Flags in Iowa. <laughs> they added a Seven yeah. Flag. It's not as fun. It's more work. It's seven more work. than it's, The flag. extra flag, yeah. is a, it gets real serious. Yeah. And um, I was uh, – so I was getting in shape to do – like it was a local agency in Des Moines that told me about this big uh, – that was my chair. That was his chair. Um uh, big Reacting agent. to the huge fart. Yes. The bullet. No. It was, it was a squeaky chair. It was a squeaky chair. Fart. Um, going to this uh, bigger thing I'll call it IMTA in New York because this is kind of where I met my first manager. Anyway, uh, I was doing this, tr- this uh, working out with a trainer, first time with a trainer. And he was like, what are, you, what are you eating? What's your diet? I was like, well, this and that. And I, you know, and I'll, uh, uh, pretzels and, um, you know, lo- low fat and uh, Sour Patch Kids. And <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, what? You can't. That, that's basically it's fattening. He's like, no, it's, it's full of sugar. <laughs> I mean, it's sugar. It's not fattening. It says no fat. Fat-free. It's a fat-free food. What's wrong with that? He's like, no, sugar. Sugar turns to fat. And I was like, what? Well, you were getting away with that because you were in your early 20s. Yeah, I was 19. Oh, you were 19, um, yeah, when, when everyone's Wolverine. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I was active, and I have, you know, thanks to my parents, I have good genes because I ate, like, I mean, I absolute terrible slob as a kid, and I wasn't lean. I probably carried around 20 pounds extra weight, but I was big and bulky, you mm-hmm. know, and, and tall and uh, athletic, so it, you couldn't tell necessarily, but um, it was not good. It was not good for my body at that time. Anyway, that was – spent 20 years, basically, almost 18 years since that was – that happened. That was my first little bit of it. And then I'd read, you know, health mag- magazines would come out and I'd read some of the – you know, started to get into it. Then when Superman happened, obviously, I, I got much more into it. I had a nutritionist. Um, that's when I started, you know, um, really understanding how to work out better and what was good food to eat. But even all that has flipped on its head, of right? Of course. So, in 2004 or five, when I was training for that, I would do things totally different now if I was going to be training for something like that um, in many ways. And that nutritionist, that same nutritionist, does a lot of things differently as well. And she's how I met Dave because they were friends in the, in the nutrition world. Maybe I'll have to get some info from you. Because, yeah. so, I mean, you know, I just want to make sure I'm in better shape at my age now than I've ever been in my entire – than I was when I was 25. Yeah. When it when I was basically just like what you were saying, it's like, oh, what's wrong with pizza and beer? Those things have health qualities yeah. of some sort. And uh, now I don't do anything except you know Starbucks a couple times a day, but that's real sugary. Yeah, that's real sugar. Sugar is sugar is the, the basically the biggest enemy. Um, and sugar is a real drug. I mean, it passes the blood brain barrier. It 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 is addictive. Like uh, you know, there are studies that will tell you that it's more addictive than cocaine and and all and heroin and all those other things, because it actually functions in the brain. It mimics certain uh, aspects of what those drugs do, um, and, and there are reasons for that. But um, having the more fat, what it does is it it fat creates um, a hormonal response that tells your body that you're that you're full. Mm-hmm. So fat fills you up faster. If you eat a steak. And if you have steak and French fries on your plate, like doing steak frites, mm-hmm. um, and you just eat that, you probably eat more French fries. But if you put steak and a big slab of butter mm-hmm. on top of the steak, and you eat most of this, you go target the steak first. You won't get to eat as many of the French fries because you're going to get full right. from the fat. And that fat, in my mind, as long as it's grass-fed butter, so that's a cow that eats only grass, um, 
is better for you than eating those french fries. Yeah, so a cow that just eats sour patch. And you won't want dessert either. It's bad, right? Right, you don't want a sour patch. There was a there was a thing. There was a Skittles. Yeah. So there's this thing that that uh some cattle and maybe other ruminants get fed excess candy and sugar and stuff. There was a big uh spill of a of a truck that was carrying Skittles. Mhm. And cattle herder somewhere brought the cows and the cows ate the skittles off of the ground and apparently cnn reported on this it's a it's a practice that happens to fatten the cows up um so so it's not good so it's not good right i mean it's not good for us it's not good for the cows um we are what we eat right we are what we eat ate and and the knowledge of that we kind of live in denial about a lot of things and that's one of the things that as a society certainly in America we've we've uh, become accustomed to um, not questioning how the animals are treated or also what they've been eat- what they they've eaten right um, it's too because, much work because what they eat too much energy them, and then what we eat what they've eaten affects us so you know to you can deny that you can deny science all you want there are plenty of people who want to do that but it has supreme effects if you can change your diet and lose weight then what you're eat what you're eating affects you i don't even know if it's as many people would deny it i just think most people are like ah, I don't, i'm just too busy well, ah, i'm just got no i'm an energy you know it's planning it's you yeah. have to get contr- control of it it takes the time to get control of it but i tell you for me when i got control of it so many other things in life started to fall in line in a better way because i was taking control of one of the most important aspects of life which is eating right. you have to do it every day you have to do it or you die yeah um, and if you start to take control of that for me, it had positive, it had positive buildup, you know, down the line, um, in many ways, because um, I was then in control of my brain. Well, and the and older, then I was in control of other people. But the I older the, the older brain. you get, the more stuff you have to do to just feel okay, and it, and you don't you don't have the luxury of your body having Wolverine healing properties when you're 20. When you start. Getting older, you really do have to plan more. You do have to stretch. Well, you know, I guess you don't have to. Stretching is kind of one of those things, too, which... But it, it's like you don't have to do all that stuff. Right. But it, but then again, you can't be surprised if, you know, by the time you're 50 or 60, it's hard to get around or you can't, you know, it's like you get winded really easy. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you yeah, you kind of should exercise. You should Think about what you eat because yeah. it really will affect you and you'll fucking care when you're 65 and you're just, you know, you're basically just chair bound because you didn't think about it for decades. And it's a lot harder to – it's easier to to correct the traject- your trajectory now than down the road. So. Absolutely. It was I simple mean, changes. I mean a lot of people get intimidated and I certainly was intimidated a little bit along the path of this of this exploration of like, Oh, I can't, I'm getting, I have to take all these supplements to be healthy and I can't, (laughs) and it's so much money and you're doing all this stuff. But, um, so there is a point where you have to just baby steps, but you have to commit to the baby. If you're going to do babies, you have to commit to it. I pretty much went cold Turkey. Um, I'm kind of like that with, with things, I guess sometimes, but, um, but there's no wrong way you can't, there's a better way to say that. Um, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. There's no. There, you just have to. You just have to go for it and not beat yourself up if you're not. Don't beat yourself up if you're. Well, if you don't. If you're not perfect. If you're not perfect with a diet, you can't beat yourself up because think, that emotional stress. Yes, is going to lead you then to eat more of the things you don't want. And to also, eat avoid, you're beating yourself up. Exactly. So you know what I what I tell people. I've had the same guy that I've been training with for twelve years, mm. and. What I tell people who are like, what do I, you know, how do I start? 
because I was very fitness averse when I was younger yeah. because it represented a type of person that I did not like. Sure. And um, a type of person who was very mean to me. Mm. And so when I got older mm-hmm. and I started to realize, oh, when I quit drinking and I, st- I stopped doing everything that was bad, I go, well, maybe I should, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hit 50 and then be like, oh, I better turn this, better turn this boat around. So I started working with this guy and so, and he's been amazing. But what I tell people now is like, don't, because I think some people just have like a moment of panic where like, I got to change my whole life at once. I got to change my whole diet all at once. And I got to start working out five days a week. No, you don't. Don't do that because you won't stick to it. And then it'll be so painful that you will just associate that it is the worst thing that you can do. So I say like, hey, you know. You walk a half hour a week. Start like on Tuesdays from noon to 1230. You're just going to walk a half hour. Try that for a little bit. See how you feel. Start to feel better. And Mm. then you'll start to gravitate toward incrementally healthier choices. And then in six months, you'll see that you've made these massive changes. But it's, you know, it's not jumping into the pool. You're just sort of wading in inch by inch. And that I think is a lot more... Those incremental goals are a lot are a lot better for for people. If you put the goal too high, so high, then then you're setting yourself for failure yes. because you're setting an, an unattainable goal. Um, when I started this, I just wanted to. I was interested in the science. I wasn't doing it to lose weight or do anything. I was hoping maybe give you some more energy, um, and that was the biggest thing for me. It wasn't about learning. It wasn't about. And maybe that's the mindset. It's like I had to do it to to lose weight, um, which is which is so instead of going. I want to change my diet to be more healthy mm-hmm. and to have better mental energy and better clarity of thought. Yeah. And shoot for that. <laughs> and then if you lose weight along the way, um that'll be that'll be a bonus, but especially with that the mental clarity that thing, that sort of um uh, verifiable uh, success is in my mind achievable in a, a in a in a way of eating it's called a diet. I don't like. It's just the way I eat. Right. Eating bulletproof or switching to a paleo style diet, cutting out things that are negatively affecting you, and adding things that will that that are easy that will ben- add benefit to you. You know, you could do a simple test if you don't drink coffee. I mean, the best way to do it is to test it in the morning when your system's clean. Um, but I mean, you could do a simple test like with the, even with the steak test. It's like eat uh, eat uh, salmon and. Ha- make some broccoli or whatever vegetable that you like. Mm-hmm. Get some good quality butter. Kerrygold is a, a Irish butter. They have it at Trader Joe's. They have it pretty much everywhere. Is grass-fed butter. Uh, make your vegetables that you like. If you have a blender, blend it up with some of the butter and make like a sauce that goes over the, the salmon, mm-hmm. something. That adds really good fat. Eat that and see how you feel. Pause a little bit and then see if you're ready for dessert or right. how much dessert you eat. Right. Because if you fill up on the better stuff, you won't be tempted as much by by the other things. Well, you know, because I'm sure some people listen to go, what? I can't believe Brandon. He's a tall, handsome guy. He doesn't represent me. And you go, yeah, but he. you work to – I mean, there is a ver- there's an alternate universe version of you of a guy who kind of just let it all go. And, and again, and, you know, like I always say to people – you know, you should not be defined by your body. You should be defined by your choices. Mm. So your if your body is the result of healthy choices, then fine. It doesn't matter, like, how much you weigh or what you know. Like, what matters is you're making healthy choices. For me personally, my body, at, when I was living really unhealthily, was the pr- product of 
insanely unhealthy choices, yeah. just like 3 a.m. pizza and, and, and drinking. And mental health probably as well, which yeah. is a whole key of this. Right. Um, you know, when I talk about mental energy, I'm also talking about, you know, mental health. Um, uh, when, when our brains have the proper fuel and our bodies have the proper fuel, it allows more of our humanity to come through. That's mm-hmm. been my experience, and that's been, I think, the experience of other people anecdotally who've done more of a bulletproof or paleo diet. Not to say that these people are enlightened 100% or that they don't make mistakes or that I don't make mistakes. I make lots of mistakes, um, and that's kind of important because then I learn from them. But um, when I one of the awesome benefits, aside from losing weight and getting more energy, was was my ability to be calm and have a have a, a conversation with somebody and not have other things in my head, mm-hmm. uh, other thoughts or that I have to leave or that I'm hungry or that what am I going to eat? It just allowed me s- more silence. Or being cranky listen, because be present. you're yeah. – Cranky. I mean, you know, I talk about being f- – the steak and the butter filling you up. It also cr- uh, destroys the hangry issue. Um, the food doesn't control me in that way because I fed my body and two hours after I eat, I'm not craving something and saying, I don't know what I'm going to eat. I can't make a decision now. I can't make a decision. Just anything to fill me up. Oh, there's a Snickers. I'm going to have Snickers. Right. And, then, and then just keeps continuing. So once you take control of the food, of, your, uh, of what you eat, then you get back control of your brain. I don't think enough of us have realized yet that we are more in control than we are allowing. Sure. And, and food is one of the gateways to get there because when you feel, f- feed your body, your brain has the capacity to be more, well, say, superhuman, to, to attain, to get to that level of clarity that you can make decisions and, and see things from a more top-down. Well, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think eating sugar all the time really helps with depression. It's kind of interesting. It's that it's – that, eh. It's it, it's sort of a self-fueling engine of despair where you feel bad so you you know mm-hmm. in my case it was drinking with other people it's sugar, sugar for you want to you want to change how you feel yeah. oh this feels good the second that it's happening but the long-term effects are that it sort of it creates more depression and need for that thing i mean it's it really is emotionally parasitic in yeah. that way it it creates i mean sugar creates a dopamine response i believe um just like other things um and and it, that's something that we we want again and again because it it makes us feel good. It really it's a feel good um, thing. And I you know after like that's why I ate sugar and ate like crap as a kid too. Part of it's knowledge, but part of it's like I wasn't I wasn't popular kid in high school. I didn't have any friends outside of school. I was playing uh, I was playing Warcraft. The friends that I had. We were. I was dialing up fourteen four. Yeah. Uh, BPS to my to a couple of guys that I would play Warcraft, the original Warcraft. Uh, with. Mom, I'm using the modem. Hang up the phone. Yeah, and um, and that was my existence in high in 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 high school. Was I didn't I didn't date. I didn't go out socially. I played soccer and I swam and I was in music and theater and all that stuff. I had socially at school, but outside of school, I didn't have any friends. Did it wasn't you not until like college. other kids? I hated kids. Um, <laughs> I mean, did you not? Did you think relate? that was a problem? Was that no, a problem? I was, just like, I was wondering if you if you just didn't if you didn't relate to. I, I couldn't stand looking at them. Uh, well, their I faces. personally didn't really like other kids. Oh, I really? didn't have a lot of friends. I just I thought most kids my age were dopey. Mm. They liked dumb things. Mm. 
they, you know, I, I hated sports. Like I just didn't, I didn't feel like I related to yeah. other kids. So I, I wonder if some of that was. Do you think you created some of that wall? Um, I yes, I'm sure that I did. I don't think it's because I disliked them. I think my uh, my mom was a teacher, second grade teacher. I come from a small town of about seven thousand people. Oh wow! I graduated class of 143. So. Uh, the kids that I went to kindergarten with mm-hmm. are the kids I graduated with, yep. by and large. And I and we went to I was Methodist, grew up Methodist, went to a Methodist church, and we were very you know active in the church. Um, and I think that I had a lot of friends going into middle seventh grade, seventh grade I had like a seven or eight what I called best friends, um, and then like seventh grade hit, and they're like all like dis disowned me, some kind of in a not nice way. And then I was left going, what the hell's wrong with me? What did I, what did I even do in all the self-doubt and all this stuff? Um, and that proceeded into, into high school, largely. That's why I didn't have any friends. And I didn't get teased badly. I did buy some of the friend, one of the guys uh, who, who broke up the friend relationship, and his friends kind of... Um, do you know uh, what happened? Was it just like puberty? Or was I, it- I think I, the only thing that I, can, that I can come to an understanding about is that I probably was more judgmental than... Um, than I understood at the time, mm-hmm. as far as we shouldn't do that or that's a bad thing, or I, that people thought I would tell on them. Sure, um, it'd be a tattletale because my mom was a teacher and I was a goody two shoe. Sure, um, they couldn't invite me to the party because I would say you could be drinking and I, I would call the cops. Sure, I don't think I would. <laughs> I don't think I was that. I wanted to fit in, but they they judged that I wouldn't. Maybe by what I said that I would be that way. Um, my mom always said that you know what you want to be and they don't yet, and I was like, well. Okay, <laughs> that's not really. But what is that really? Good... You know, how how does that get me friends? And like, you know. So I want to. So so okay. So this is interesting because I, I I feel like I had a, an analogous experience in my in my in my youth around the same time. Um, but you know, I have I I think everyone is really a version of them in their in our heads. I think most people are a version of yourself that's around that age. Maybe you know. Maybe Still, you mean around thirteen in your head? Like oh. when you think of yourself. You know, you still think of yourself as that person and you still, no matter how old you get, and you still kind of approach things. Like you're still doing patchwork for stuff Mm. that you're trying to make up for back then. So do you feel like you are still profoundly affected by that experience of kind of being dumped by your friends? And do you feel like that that affects who you are today? I would say that it has in the past. I'm working through not having those... (laughs) <laughs> attachments that, uh, attachment to that belief system of who I was at that time and mm-hmm. to to go beyond that because I am not the same person um, and those are those emotional traumas or whatever you want to call stored memories or in different ways to, to talk about to talk about what they are um, affected me for for quite some time and um, they 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 affect the subconscious. Us on a subconscious level of decision making of of not feeling worthy, um, of not feeling worthy of friendship, mm-hmm. and then not engaging with people in, in a way or not sharing feelings and emotions. For me, it affected me in a way that I would not um, that I that I like we we're saying before with relationships that I wouldn't talk about something that was upsetting me because I didn't want to upset the other person. Sure, and I, and I felt like I. I was okay. Like I came from a happy family, and I, I'm right. like a good family and loving family, and I'm good. Like I had a loving family, and but that's kind of what it, which is true. Yeah. But but all but doesn't mean you have no problems. Exactly. But yeah. I but I it's something called um, bypassing. There's there's emotional bypassing. There's spiritual bypassing, and 
um, which just means you go, uh, well, God will save me from this or save this or um, I don't uh, think of an emotional bypassing uh, example. Essentially, you don't you don't take in the emotional impact of something. Yeah, you see somebody. You know, some story in the news about something terrible that happened, and you go, "Oh well, you know, I hope they're in the, I hope they're in a better place," which sure. is a nice blessing, but also you're not like you're not taking that that really in. It's a right. way of like diverting, sure. having to not worry about that. I don't have to worry about that because well, it'd they're be, taken care of. It'd be impossible to take on everything. Like, yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying to. that you should, yeah. right? You can't sit there and, and take in, you know, every time somebody somebody's killed, you know, um, take that in. That's that's too much, but. There's a there's a there's a fine line there. Sure. Um, when I read about for me, when I read about something on Twitter feed or in you know, news, something terrible that happens, I go, "Oh man, that's bad," and then go on to the next thing. I go, I put myself, I kind of just sit with it for a second, and take in. I guess if that happened, if it happened to me, but just that what those people might be feeling for a moment. Empathy. Empathy. It's an empathy practice, and then just. It doesn't ruin my day for me. It just, but then I had that, and I and I feel free mm-hmm. because I did it rather than just having that itching feeling that there's this thing that happened that I'm not really even like looking. So at. you're you're giving it some emotional respect and yeah. some emotional weight, yeah. Because you know the, the interesting thing about empathy is that it's it's good to be empathetic, but I do feel like the dark side of empathy is. You know, you can be so empathetic that you're almost making something about yourself. Yes. And then in that case, you kind of become useless to other people because it's like, well, someone you, – if, if you're absorbing someone else's emotions, you cannot be helpful to them if they need you. Totally. And that's, and that's an argument about not being – not doing too much empathy. But there's a balance there. So, so you're mining. Essentially, that's like you're mining, you're mining for emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying because – and that's something else to look at if that's an issue for you. That's – there's a reason why you're doing that. Yes, um, that's another thing. I don't know what, but but well, that's another thing that you can work on because that 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 is not a healthy way to have empathy. It's right. just to there's a uh, there's a, there's a there's a there's a balanced way I believe to do that. Yeah, to at least to sit in somebody's shoes for a moment and then get past it because yeah, if you're worried about the people in third world countries not having food and it keeps you up at night. That is not helping, right? Because you are taking a now you're worried about them, and it's affecting your life and your ability to take care of yourself and your kids, right? That is not okay. But understanding what their plight might be, and the daily life that they go through for a moment of reflection, can give you value and understanding and respect and gratitude sure. for what you have and what you do, um, and and you can move forward. With that, whether that if you feel so inclined, it's giving to an organization or reaching out to people in your local area because you may not be able to affect the change you want in a third world country far away, but you can give to a local um, um, uh, food gathering bank, bank, food bank. Thank you. That's the word I look for. <laughs> give to a local food bank or get involved locally and help with hunger if that's your issue locally. Right. And impact change in a huge way. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's so easy, particularly in this town to, I mean, it's easy everywhere and social media makes it even easier to just get so absorbed in yourself yeah. and, uh, and just surround, you know, surround yourself. Um, but there's a really, I don't know if you're going to know this reference, but, uh, do you know the ba- There's a band called Yes. It's mm-hmm. a band called Yes. And they, they have a line in a song that's uh, don't surround yourself with yourself. Like, oh, what a great mm. line in a song. You know, uh, can you find that, Katie? Don't surround yourself with yourself. 
Uh, I'm, I have to. Oh, this time the king. I'm trying to get to the chorus so I can remember the na- the title of the song. But the band is Yes. I've seen all good people. I've seen all good people. I think it's I've seen all good people. You knew it right away. I did. Good yeah. memory. Just pulled it right out of there. Yeah, my brain is. I don't. I don't. Here. I don't need just, a buttery fat diet because I just I can pull things out of. No, Katie had to find that for me. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Katie Levine. But it's just that idea of like surround, of like just being so surrounded. And I do feel like that is a that is so much of what we're all facing right now because it's so convenient and easy yeah. and comforting to surround yourself with yourself. But then there's no growth. There's no growth, and then you're just you're not looking outside yourself. You like you need to you need to bring in nutrients from other areas to fertilize the soil, the emotional soil. Exactly. Uh, it's important to have a varied. A friend base and and people who are who who you deem to be I don't know, better than you or smarter or whatever or more successful than you whatever that is that reaching up to have people who you aspire to be or aspects not aspire to be them but but aspects of of, of a friend or somebody or acquaintance that you admire mm-hmm. I think I'd like to have that skill mm-hmm. incorporate them into your social network somehow and because, then also be that for someone else yeah because you well yeah exactly and but it's if you don't see the growth potential, you won't grow and you'll just stagnate and continue to be where you are. And that right. can be okay too. Like yeah. We're all okay. We're all, you're all, we're all really okay where we are. It really just kind of depends on what you want. It really depends what you want. And if you, you know, if you're comfortable where you are, then don't get down on yourself and don't, don't go, why don't I have this? Like, well, if you want this other thing, you should understand why you want that thing. You should understand with great clarity what it is specifically that you want. And then you can decide if you want to try to make it happen. And yes, it is, a, it is work, yeah. you know, but you're not going to get anything without working for it, really. And the other people that have those things, it didn't magically just appear for them. No, it's very rare. Maybe, maybe 0.5% of the time if they were you know, given tons of money at birth, it, it did. But, but, but even that doesn't large, solve every problem. And, exactly. on, and honestly, and honestly, even if someone get, you know, anyone can kind of hit some kind of a lottery at random, mm-hmm. but they, you know, but it, the skill is, is in keeping it and maintaining it and growing it. You know, I mean, it's really, it's like the perfect analogy is of course in the, in this business, like, mm. Oh, some guy just got a job. He just got handed a big job, you know, fuck. But, you know, the skill is in staying there or keeping that and, you know, as someone I, who was handed a big it. job. I've been through it. Um, so, so, so basically, you, you kind of, did, would you say you kind of, I mean, I know you worked before Superman, but yeah. it kind of probably felt like zero to Superman. It was pretty much, I mean, to, to the outside, it definitely feels like zero to Superman. For me, I'd been, I mean, it'd been three years. Mm-hmm. Two and a half, three years, which is not just not long. Uh, <laughs> I, at the time, it felt like it all the the challenge and struggle. But um, but yeah, I mean, I moved out when I was nineteen, uh, and I eventually got Superman when I was twenty four. So I guess it was more four or five years. Um, um, I worked on a. I mean, the biggest thing I did is I worked on a soap for a year in New York mm-hmm. in two thousand one um, through two thousand two. And then I got fired from that, um, <laughs> thankfully, in many ways, and moved back to Los Angeles uh, and didn't work for a year. Um, I barely auditioned. My agent and my manager left me, parted ways, not nicely. Um, and I was I had taken a bartending class uh-huh. before I'd gotten the soap, the soap gig. And, uh, 
and then I was a bartender on the show. <laughs> uh, so I guess I, like, class, ah, I got my skills, right? It's a class so then I tried to pan that off of my experience like behind the bar and with the, the bar. I went to the bartending class. You don't have to have a certificate to be a bartender, but I didn't know anything. I didn't drink. So sure. I didn't know anything about liquor. So I took right. the bartending class at 19 to do, learn the thing. And then, or at 20. And then, uh, anyway, uh, came back. And had to get a job, and I got a, a bartending job at this place called Al Reed's Steakhouse. Okay. It might still be there in, in Tahunga. All right. So no, north of Sun Valley, like 40 minutes outside oh, of yeah. LA, everyone. And um, locals, very nice people, but I made you know, 30, 40 bucks in tip, tips a night. It was, yeah. it was nothing. And I was paying more gas money to get out there oh, than sure. I was really making. Um, and then I was also working at a, like a, it was like a, a, a business a strip mall. For this guy who was selling uh, wholesale stuff online, yeah, like uh, like all, all different kinds of knives, colored knives that you'd, you'd find at a at, at a fair for uh-huh. winning a prize, and pet supplies, you know, and then I pack them up and put the stick uh, the, the label on them and ship them off. So you're just cobbling all these things together, two, working two jobs yeah. because I burned through the, the little bit of savings I had from the soap opera of working on the soap, and 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 didn't have any representation for like three months. And then uh, uh, a former assistant at my old manager became an agent and was very kind, a gentleman named Ryan. He, uh, he's like, oh, I'm working at this agency. I'm becoming an agent. You want to come in and meet and, you know, see about getting represented by us? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and was with them for a while. And they, they set me up with my meetings with the manager and I got my new manager and I'm still with the, this, the, the same manager. Um, and then it was shortly after that, three months after that, then I started working at Lucky Strike. They got me a job. Oh. The agency got me a job at Lucky Strike. They got me the interview at Lucky Strike. That's where you met Courtney. That's where I met Courtney. Yes, I remember this. I remember <laughs> and, this. Uh, and I've been spying on you for years. Right. Now I remember you told us this. <clears throat> um, and then I booked um, episode of Cold Case mm-hmm. in which I played – it was the 50s, 1950s, and um, my boyfriend – Playing a gay couple mm-hmm. in the 1950s, and my boyfriend gets beat up and killed. Mm-hmm. It was like this first season of Cold Case. And I was in a suit, my hair slicks back, and everybody's like, you look just like Christopher Reeve, like a young Christopher Reeve, this and that, and this and that. And I'd heard like Superman stuff before, but that was just a funny coincidence. All these weird, you'd call them coincidences. I don't think they're coincidences at this point, but um, did that. And then I did an episode of Oliver Bean, mm-hmm. which was, again, like a, fifth, like a set it wasn't really set. That show kind of took place not in the current time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and then uh, an episode of Will and Grace where I had one line. Um, and that kind of started to pick things up for me. Mm-hmm. And then the next pilot season after a back and forth of this on this one show, this WB show, um, that I didn't ultimately get. But I met with the, the producer who was producing partners with the then director of Superman said, oh, you should come in and meet about Superman. And I did, and I'm telling a short version of the story, but uh, that was 2004. Then did, when you auditioned for Superman, what are they having you – what is an audition – what is a Superman audition like? Well, the first meeting was with Mick G, who was the director at the time, and Stephanie Savage, who was the producer on the show called The Mountain. Uh, Mick G and he were both, she were both producing the show, and I'd gone in like three times. They were like, oh, we want to get you in the show, but you're not quite – can't find the role for you. Mm-hmm. But I talked to her about Iowa because she'd gone to school in Iowa. And I, I knew that they – I knew – see, I knew that they were – I knew that Mick G was directing 
the new Superman movie. Yeah. It changed hands. And so I saw his name on the call sh- on the information and I was like, if I do a good job, I get a call back and then he's going to see that like I should be Superman. <laughs> um, and that kind of happened. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it was very fortuitous. It yeah. doesn't always quite work out that no. way. Um, and so we, we just had a meeting. It's like a 20 minute meeting about just talking about me Talk about him a little bit, and and that was it. We didn't talk about Superman at all, essentially. And then I left, and then a couple weeks later, they said, oh, they want to have you come in and, and read. And I came in and read, and we used – there were two scenes from – I think that it, was a, it was a Jennifer Lopez movie, Sna- Snake Eyes or, or something. Um, it was like a thriller. Okay. And the scenes, there were two scenes, and I chose one would be like, one seemed more like a Superman scene and one seemed more like a Clark Kent scene. Mm-hmm. So I, I did, that's how I did the scenes. I did one as Clark and one as Superman um, with the casting directors. And then I had a call back. And then after that, they decided they wanted a screen test and they screen tested like six other guys. But that was already, at that point, that was already like four months into the process. Did the screen test. It had six week hold. To wait, essentially, the contract, uh, contractually, they could wait six weeks to decide who they were going to cast, or they could cast nobody. <laughs> right, uh, everybody loses. Um, and what happened, like four weeks into that, the thing, the deal fell away, fell through with McG. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm like at Lucky Strike. Everybody knows that I'm in this. I'm like, this is my, this is the thing that's going to do it. You're just on the brink of like amazing things, and it was crushing. And, <laughs> I started crying. No, <laughs> some water. That's all right. Take a minute if you need a minute. This is uh-huh. very emotional. And then, uh, um, and then there was like silence, nothing, and I was crushed. You know, essentially. And then a couple weeks later, I started to get rumors that Brian Singer was had an idea was going to be doing the the project, and then he was, uh, and they were suddenly everybody was reporting. They're uh, casting sessions around the world, in Ireland, in Australia, uh, trying to find the next Superman. And I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> Met Lucky right Strike. Here. Look at my tape. We did a screen test. Come on. You just Has come he- over to Highlands. Exactly. You don't need to go to fucking Ireland. <clears throat> Hasn't he met with everybody? Is he meeting with the people who, who screen tested before? Because we all have tape. Is he even considering us? Maybe, maybe, maybe was the answer. Time had gone by another month or so. And finally... Um, but no concrete answer about whether we were even in the loop or in 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 the running at all. And then one Friday morning, uh, I get a call from my from my agent, and I'm having a tremendous uh, migraine, just like the worst migraine. She calls me and says, "Oh, you know, uh, amazing! Uh, Brian Singer wants to to meet with you today in like an hour at at uh, the Coffee Bean on on Sunset." I was like, "Oh, I can, I." I, can't, I don't even know if I can drive. Like, this is such a crazy, mind-altering migraine. I don't know if I can get out of bed to make it there. But it's the most important day of my life. Um, can you see if he can push it back? Um, but he was leaving to Australia to go location scout, mm-hmm. like, in six hours. But they were able to move it back a few hours. I downed some Excedrin headache and ibuprofen, like, probably too many drugs. And went back to sleep <laughs> for two hours. And... The headache had lifted, and I went and had the meeting with him uh, at the star at the coffee bean that's no longer there. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, on Sunset Plaza, and um, and that was kind of. I mean, that was 
that was it in his mind. I what think he kind of made it, had a decision already. What but. did he need to like? What is, what is it that he needs to hear from you when you're meeting for coffee? He wanted to see my my personality, vibe. my vibe. Yeah, my vibe. Um, I mean, gosh, it's been so long. I can't remember everything we talked about. I know that I spilled the coffee when I first came to, to the table, which <laughs> which he always loved to tell that story, which was a total accident. Um, it's a very Clark move. It, I was very calm. I mean, I I've since since bulletproof actually. I've, I'm less, <laughs> I actually am less clumsy. I know it sounds like since I changed my food, I've become less clumsy because I have better awareness of my body and how it's moving. Um, but I was pretty clumsy at that point in my life, and um, we talked about growing up in Iowa and what I thought about Superman and who Superman was to me. And he talked about you know how tremendous the 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 work was going to be, and are you up for Everybody, all the scrutiny and all this stuff. And I was like a naive kid from my I was like, yeah, I can do it. I mean, come on. I'm- Were you up for it when it started yeah. happening? Um, you know, I, I got a taste of it. The worst part was 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 people on the forums and the boards because people used to use that more Yeah, when before social media. Or it was the original social media, I guess. Uh, where I was saying, like, he's not, he's not big enough. He's not getting big enough. He's not – and I was like, I'm – Working out like you only knew how how dedicated I was to this. Doing this, um, that was the only thing that ever really that ever really got to me. It is kind of funny, by the way, that the idea that Superman has to be ripped because yeah. it really it doesn't have to be at all. It's it's really his chemical composition that get, that he has the powers. It doesn't matter how many abs he has showing. Exactly. All the other, all the other Kryptonians yeah. were just like normal people. They yeah. were all ripped. Zod's just Look, a dude. He, I mean, Jor-El, he was not ripped. He was not ripped at all. <laughs> <laughs> he was not ripped at all. There's Maybe when he was that, younger. I mean, I there's nothing that says that, you know, yeah. it's like, but I guess just that idea of, you know, people going, you, you know, I got to see that he's strong. Like, yeah. You can't just believe, you know, like, yeah, with the sun, it creates this molecular density. Yeah, well, all right. Okay. Give him abs. Fuck. Okay. It's fine. It looks but, good on camera. It sells it, things. Yeah. And paper. <laughs> so what was your experience, you know, like right after, like when it came out right after, like, what were you, were you thinking like, well, this is, we're going to make a ton of these or I'm going to be yeah. Superman forever or what's the. I totally went into it thinking this is going to be, this is going to be amazing and we're going to do i mean i have contract for three so sure we'll do that mm-hmm. um and filming it my first real film amazing experience i mean just all of the work and the dedication the passion behind it uh just incredible uh, and this is going to be this is going to be a huge hit and this is going to be i'm going to you know people are saying are you worried about being superman Forever, Superman forever, and I was like, "Well, I mean, what a what a terrible thing to be thought of as for one. I'm, who was I before this? Nobody." And um, and I was like, "I just, you know, I, I I can make myself somebody else. I'm an actor. I'll do other things." It wasn't the the paramount concern for me. I just thought it was going to be really successful. And I had I I I I still think I I love the movie. It has its flaws, but I think it's a great movie. Um, and so the reviews were all by and large really good. I think we're Seventy eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes, something mm-hmm. to this day, something you know, really pretty positive for a Superman movie. Yep. Um, and the reviews were all really largely good and and good for me. And I was like, okay, this is going to be good. The movie came out, um, and we didn't do have a blockbuster start right uh, the first uh, the first weekend, and then Devil Wears Prada came out and just like <laughs> killed us. Right. The romantic comedy aspect just like destroyed us and then Pirates of the Caribbean came out like 
a week and a half later and just destroyed us. And that was, yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I, I think um, the, the movie, to, to my mind, the movie wasn't maybe marketed the way that I would have liked to have seen it marketed. Um, but I know nothing about marketing. So um, it didn't reach, it didn't, it didn't tell the story that we wanted to tell. Also, it, maybe it was inevitable to go from the love and the amazingness of Chris Reeve. Mm-hmm. Um, to this guy nobody knows after nearly 20, 20 years, something like that. Um, it, it's an unknown property. Well, and, and, they also- and, and, and you have to cover, go over all of that like love for him. I was a transition and, and I, like I accept that now, a transitionary figure for the character of Superman. Right. Um, so that was something that I didn't understand then as much, but I can see now. Well, it made it made thing. sense though. I mean, listen, the Superman movies. If you watch the original Christopher Reeve Superman movies, you know, one is a, is a, I loved two. You know, I two. Yeah, it, it, it's I love one is incredible. Two is really fun, but it's definitely you know that other director came in and he's like you see all of the Lester, yeah. the kind of the goofy comedy elements. You know, it's like when they <laughs> when when Zod and Ursa and Nan are attacking the city, or they you know they 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 throw a bus and crush Superman, and everyone in the town's like. Hey, they killed Superman. Let's get him. And they're just like picking up garbage off the street. Like, what? Well, he just fucking threw a bus at Superman. And in your minds, you think he's dead. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna pick up a, a like a just a you know a, a wrench and you take down these these gods. Yeah. So that from that standpoint, it's a little goofy. Superman three, you know, Richard Pryor. Superman four. Nuclear man, mm. yeah, nuclear man. I mean, not not the best, you know, not the best. So, look, I, that Bad aftertaste in a lot of people's mouths. But I think not enough people really saw Superman for the Quest for Peace to really have it, you know, like create too indelible yeah. mark. But it was, you know, like this was coming out of the legendary, you know, after what Nolan did with uh, with Batman. It's like, okay, we can reboot these characters in kind of a in kind of a gritty, real human way. Yeah. And uh, so, to, to me, it just made all the sense in the world. Like, oh well, this is that. That's what's happening. Yeah. And why not do it with Superman? They should do it with Superman. Um, but a- after that experience, when you realized, oh, we're not going to make two or three of these, did you go through a period where you were where you f- felt lost, or did you feel like, okay, you know, that's fine. I, I know that I, people know who I am now. I, I'm gonna. I'll probably. I'm gonna work. Uh, well, you know, I. Th- so that's a, yeah. That's a big question. Um, we all thought, myself and my man, all my representatives included, that the movie would be. I mean, I think we thought that it would be successful, and other opportunities would come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that the movie was successful. It, I mean, not as successful, obviously, as the studio wanted. It made almost four hundred million dollars worldwide yeah. in two thousand six, um, but it it wasn't the success that everybody wanted it or thought it. Still, should be. a lot of money. So things didn't. Things jobs didn't. The, didn't really come my way. The jobs that I wanted didn't come my way. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of things that I was like, oh, maybe I should have said yes to that. Like one or two things. Um, I don't know if that would have made her. That would have made a difference. Um, and I am where I am now, so I, you know, I don't I try not to beat myself up too much about that. But, um, but there were. But there, by and large, it wasn't a lot. Yeah. And and the whole time there was still. 
for a year and a half after that, they were still, oh, we still might be doing a sequel. Mm-hmm. Brian had gone off to do Valkyrie, and there was all this kind of shifting in the studio, Warner Brothers, and it seemed like we're still going to do it. And I was holding on to that happening because not only because it was a job and my career, but I had, I have, I have great love for Superman, and I did a lot of. Um, emotional character work to step into that role Mm -hmm. to treat it with respect and humility and honor not only Chris's uh, Chris's performance but everyone who's drawn and created him up to that point Mm -hmm. and 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 brought brought him to life um that I there was a lot of me wrapped up into the character um and and what I what representing that character represented uh, and who I was and who I was supposed to be and how I was supposed to live my life um, probably too much sucked into it um, because I envisioned that I would carry on this role as a, as a, as a, as a figurehead for him as a custodian of, of Superman. But some of that bled into my own existence a little bit. And so then I, it gave me self doubt of who am I and what am I and am I, all of that I think I am and that I'm not getting work and, um, or the work that I wanted. And, uh, and also I'd skipped a big step of, of auditioning, of like right. getting good at auditioning. And so then when I had to, it was, I was, I was having to go back and audition and not get offered or, you know, offered things. I was going to back in a room. I, I didn't have the skills. Um, and also I had a chip on my shoulder. Like I shouldn't have to do this. Right. Like, what, you know, this was supposed to be, this was supposed to be my future. Right. <laughs> and, um, and that, that affected me for, uh, too, too, I would say too long before I, you know, with the help of Courtney, um, and family and friends, you know, figuring that out. But it, it, it took a while. Um, and I had to go back and, and pay my dues. Yeah. Um, and, and when I started to do that, take responsibility for my own actions and for my own capacity to to do the job, do the work that I needed to do, do the homework, then things started to build up again, and my career started to, to come back up. But yeah. it was it was a low point of several years. I mean, I did have. I mean, I was lucky enough to do, blessed enough to do Scott Pilgrim in the middle yep. of it, and 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 Zach and Mary, and and Dylan Dog, and and Chuck, but um, but those weren't like those weren't great times for me. Um, and it's been since, uh, since the, around the birth of my son and, and a little bit before that. And I started to get my, my shit together. Oh, that's, did, did that help? Uh, that made it more real. Um, just before, just before it, it was, it was just before he was, Leo was conceived, uh, a couple of, a couple of things happened in my life that I was like, okay, I really, this is like. I need to get this, this is this is as rock bottom as I've gotten in my life, mm-hmm. and it's time to, you know, ship up or shape out, shape up or ship out, shape up or ship out. I'm bad with those. <laughs> I mix my metaphors constantly. And well, so this is so this is this is a this is a good this is a good question. I think for people who uh, feel like that, because I think you know, of, of all the people listening, a percentage of them probably feel like, well, I'm I'm as I'm I'm at a low point. Yeah. So you know what. And at the time, I'm sure it feels insurmountable. But again, you know, making little choices and taking direction, like going different directions. So, what are you what are you doing to to fix this? And what steps are you taking to turn this around and take responsibility? 
Well, it starts with, I mean, uh, to get more detailed about it, uh, taking responsibility. So you have to really sit with yourself, whether you call it meditation or, or whatever it is, drive in your car, turn on music, um, and think, or just don't think, and then it'll get to some, you know, you can find even find some emotionally evocative music mm-hmm. that puts you in an emotional space. Music has a great power, and just sit and 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 let your brain roll through the feelings and thoughts you're having. You find something that really triggers you, sit and think about it a little bit. If you have trouble get accessing emotional space or uh, your your emotions, but I, I just I saw how my decisions and my lack of taking responsibility was affecting other people. Mm-hmm. In effect, other people were protecting me from other people. Um, or people were like walking around on eggshells around me. I didn't have knowledge of that. I couldn't see that. Sure. But when I had knowledge of that and I accepted that they were doing that not because they were weak or that why couldn't they just come talk to me? I had to go, like, why do I feel like, why did they feel like they couldn't come talk to me? Because sure. I would get upset with them. Mm-hmm. I would throw it back at them or I would just not listen to them. So you have to ask questions of yourself and f- see where you can take responsibility. Oh, and that's accept, all the, that's and all the ego that, stuff. Except that you've done something wrong. Yeah. It's okay. And it's okay if you've done something wrong. <laughs> we all screw up. That's part of living and that's a part of growing and becoming something more than you are. If you don't like where you are, figure out what you're doing where you can take responsibility for things that aren't the way you want them in your life. Sure. What do you not like about what's happening in your life or how you're getting treated or what you're receiving and see if there is something that you can take responsibility for in that interaction with that person right? or in that relationship. Um, and you might find, you might find some keys to turning that around and it's one thing at a time. I mean, you can't, I didn't go from here to from 20, 2009 era about when it was to, to now just instantly. I mean, it's been a growth process in those eight years to be where I am able to talk about it this way. And, um, but the first thing I think with any is, is taking, is really just taking and, responsibility. And I always say it's like asking, asking good questions too, and then yeah. not being afraid of what the answers are. Cause sometimes the, we don't ask ourselves these questions because the answers uh, stab us in the ego. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, because I, I honestly think there are certainly circumstances that uh, that people cannot prevent the circumstances, bad, tragic things that befall people. But I think if most people really were honest about their lives, a higher percentage than they would be willing to admit were the result of choices that they were making. Not all, yeah. but a percentage of. And so why not try to do what you can to chip away at those so that you can at least narrow the gap? You know, in your favor as much as possible. Yeah, it's uh, taking responsibility is about taking control. Mm-hmm. So once you're able to see what you have contributed to a decision to a relationship, then you're able to start to take control and to change it. But as long as you keep deflecting your responsibility, you keep losing control. So in order to get control of your life, you have to take responsibility. Um, and I think that's. I mean, I you know. That's the key is is being in control. It's easy to give up control. Somebody else is oppressing me. Somebody else is doing this. I'm not, you know, whatever it is, is always somebody else's fault. Yeah. Until you realize how you play a part in this. It's your life. You got to take control of it. One example I was thinking is if you get in a car wreck, if you 
were if you could conceive that you were responsible for it because you ran a red light or you were trying to get through that red light mm-hmm. the yellow light before it turned red why were you rushing you know it's not just oh the red light or I didn't make it or I could have gone faster or if I just would have stopped but don't go go further if you just would have stopped why were you rushing mm-hmm. you're rushing because you were late why were you late were you late because you didn't get ready in time <laughs> or are you ready because you didn't want to go where you were going why didn't you want to go where you were going because you didn't want to talk to the person you were going to talk to because you have it was a, going to be an emotional conversation sure. and what are you hiding from and just keep back and peeling back, and back, back, and back the layers back and back and back don't yeah. don't don't stop at the superficial or if that if that you were of no fault in that accident you are then in control and have responsibility to take control of how you react after that you mm-hmm. can be upset at the person who who put you in the hospital, that your car's wrecked, and be, oh, I guess I have no control over it. It's just he hit me and this and that. Or you can take control of your healing process and how you respond to that person who hit you and this all the steps down the road uh, in your healing and, and where that may take you. Yeah. Um, somebody in the hospital might become your friend, a nurse. You know, uh, something positive can happen from that from that tragic event yeah if you stay in if you stay in the game yeah and you and you and you don't let your uh, you know your subconscious continue to well you can we we do have very little control over most things but you certainly can control or you can learn to control Mm -hmm. how you react to things and what events mean to you that's that's the human that's that's where the prefrontal cortex comes into play and separates us from apes and other mammals yeah. is we have a developed – our brain is developed in that way. We have that capacity. We have to train for it. Right. It is in us and it is who who we are meant to become, I believe. The evolution of humanity is the evolution – now we've done a lot of things. It's the evolution of the brain and the mind and, and going that last step, um, which is our, our right as these creatures that, that we are here um, – and and we're not taught that, you know, at birth, unless your parents are, you know, yogis or, you know, or Buddhists. <laughs> no, or, you're not at all. We're sorry. Or, 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 you know, um, I mean, religion is is there, spirituality is there, but it's there and it's not. It's like finding there's a huge shift in the in, 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 in belief systems, but um, I'm, I'm getting into the woods now. Um, no, but I, weeks. but I, but I think it. I think it's. One. I think it really is. Uh, you know, I think most people really are conditioned to think that life happens at them. They can't. They can't control. You know, like, well, yeah, I got mad because the. You know, like, well, I know, but you didn't have. You didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, that's a sucky thing, but you didn't have to like punch through that window. You know, like you didn't have to. You didn't really have to do that. Or maybe someone runs a light. They're not late for anything, and they're just mad because they have control issues. Yeah. You know, and they why can't this be? You know, and they add it to this list of you know if you if you say to yourself why does everything bad happen to me? Then your brain's going to go well. Here's a list of reasons that support that answer yes. that, that question. Yes. And then your brain really is a supercomputer that will answer any question that you pose to it because that's what it does it's a problem solving machine it problem solves it's how we survive so there's the brain and there's the mind right i've done i've done so i'm doing the food thing and i'm deep diving <laughs> into the mind please this is a whole nother thing um there's a there's a he's a neurobiologist he's a phd psychiatrist sorry 
Dr. Dan Siegel. I can't remember all your credits, but there's a book I started reading, or a book on tape called The Whole Brain Child, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend for any parents of kids of any age. Um, and, and then there's another called Parenting from the Inside Out and Discipline. And she's got another book about discipline for children. And essentially in Whole Brain Child, he is he and a co-author – uh, a woman co-author, Mary. I can't remember these. A couple different co-authors of his books. Um, they talk about the brain, the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere, the right side of the brain, left hand, side of the brain, and how the brain works, and how the brain of your child works. And you're reading all, you're listening or reading all this, and you're going, "Oh, well, this is, makes so much sense about my kid." But wait, this makes so much sense about me. <laughs> and I know that he's written. I mean, they wrote the book for kids, but there's so much. Everything they're saying about the child, you can learn about yourself. Yes. And what is the brain and what is the mind and what controls what? And is the brain just a muscle and an engine? And is the mind the whole body? Because the science of the body is that there are, I think they're called dendrites. There are sensors around our, our heart and our organ and our, um, and our stomach that communicate with the brain. And all along our spinal, uh, our nervous system goes all the way down, you know, throughout our body. And so that's... We are mind and body. Our body is our mind, and we're. I'm gonna. I, I gotta. I can't. I don't go too far. I'm not good at explaining this, but it's it's a new thing for me, and understanding what the mind is, and that our mind can is more in control than our brain if we let it. That's the further capacity of human. So even hearing you talk about this and a lot of stuff that we talked here, and then I'm gonna I'm bring I'm gonna bring this back around to uh, to Ray Palmer, <laughs> which is. Sometimes when you see, uh, sometimes you know. Listen, in the, in the genre of content that I enjoy, sometimes on shows you see attractive people, and you're a very attractive man, Bre- uh, Brandon. Thanks. But it, 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 you is you see them say science things, and you go, I don't know if I believe that. But when you say science things, like when you say science things on the show, it's like, oh yeah, I believe that guy. I believe that guy. <laughs> right. And then when I talk to you in person, you know. It's like, oh yeah, because he really is. It, is there an all? Is there another alternate universe where science was your path? I mean, I never saw that in high school. Um, I tried to get away from math and and science largely, like biology. Yeah. Um, but the math component, like my brain, wasn't ready for that. I was much more creative, uh, wanting to write and do art and music and stuff. Um, I, I was okay with math, but it just wasn't it wasn't my strong suit. Something sure. that I enjoyed. Um, but but now, yeah, I mean, I've thought when I got into the food science and the way it controls the body and the exploration and and because it, it, I see the growth potential and that is exciting to me. How can I become better? How can I upgrade myself? How can I become more of who I am? Yeah. And not only for my own happiness and, and joy, but to influence and affect others in a positive way. Yeah. How can I share this knowledge? Um, so... You know, I am not a scientist, and I'll never be a scientist. But I can, I can speak out. You can the cool science, science and appreciate. And I play one on TV, so I guess kind of you know that's cool. And the thing that really helped me bring bring Ray Palmer to that ad- adaptation was this shift in food. I had more energy. I had. I wasn't. I mean, if you would have met if you'd have met me in two thousand ten, uh, before I started doing bulletproof coffee and doing the whole thing. I, I was a nice guy, but I wasn't able to speak this clearly um, and, 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 I don't know, with authority, but, but just with the energy that I have. Um, and that 
it was just about the time when I was doing really in the full swing of this food eating change that I the Ray Palmer thing came about. Yeah. And I and I had meetings about it, but then I had to go and do a chemistry read with with Emily, uh, who plays Felicity, and and uh, and and prove myself, which is a good learning. Talking about taking responsibility <laughs> and going back and doing my work, that was it. Yeah, I had I earned this job, and um, which was important, and um, and it was because of this energy that I have and passion for for giving information. And sharing knowledge that fueled Ray Palmer. And that was his excitement about life and all about his inventions and what we can do to change the world. That is Ray Palmer. That's the energy of Ray Palmer. Well, and, you, and that's what, who, kind of who I've become. Well, what's interesting about that is that you are now in a position – because I know I, – the CW shows have done a really amazing job of weaving the universe together. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, I think they still – are trying to figure out with the film franchises. Yeah. But they've done an amazing job. Uh, but I also know that that means that your schedules are brutal. Like, I, you know, talking to Daniel Panabaker, she's like, oh, yeah, I think we're doing, I'm doing 22 flashes and then I'm making an appearance on Arrow and then appearance, you know, because part of that is like weaving all these shows together. Yeah. But uh, I think it puts you in this very unique position where you can now, and because you can speak, you can speak about it in, a, in, a, in an authoritative way. You you could be going and talking to schools and saying, "Hey, science is cool." And yes, I play a scientist on television, but I also am in, interested in science. And you also can be interested in science, and that is a positive thing to do. I, I honestly think you could be a great science advocate for kids. And huh. maybe maybe as your son gets older and you find you know like it's show and tell to bring your dad to work day. Hey, I'm you know I play this guy that you probably see on TV. You know that's it. I feel like this puts you in a very unique opportunity that maybe you wouldn't have been in if you know on the Superman track. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's really cool, and I think it puts you in a really nice place if that is of interest to you i think people would listen to you yeah no thank you thank you i appreciate that i have i have i have had thoughts of speaking about nutrition and and i was this mind things come in it would just be an added aspect to it but um certainly it could come it could be wrapped in a science yeah in a in a in a especially especially in this time where it's seemingly becoming more important um with knowledge seemingly being um being taken away from us and science being not valued um in certain aspects of our of our country, um, to to be a, pr- a promoter of science, I think is a is a is a really cool I thing. And I definitely like talking about it. So it's just <laughs> making a cohesive talking point and 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 then having that happen and engaging with people. I mean, it's something that I that I that I uh, that will happen. Well, because you re- because point. you have the ability to reach a lot of people, I'm sure yeah. there are tons of scientists who would come to you and go, hey, I'd love to work with you on building like a a, a little mini curriculum or a program that mm. you could sort of. You know, with the almost no free time that you have, you know, but go around and or maybe make you maybe you make videos and you I don't know. I just feel it feels like there's something there. And I feel like you have the ability and capacity to reach kids and speak, you know, um, very comfortably and intelligently about science and why science is fun and important. And I I think people would listen to you. I appreciate that's a cool that coming up with a curriculum is good is a good idea. I think that um, uh, for me, I have a lot of ideas and have a lot to share. And I need a. Uh, I am open to a partner who can who can um, a business partner who can uh, who can 
put that into a, a listed thing. Manifest a, a, that, a, yeah. And, and so I am. I mean, this whole thing is like, thank you. you I, I really appreciate that support. And, and it is something that, is, that I'm moving toward. Mm-hmm. I'm allowing and waiting for it to, that person to come forward, uh, that relationship to be created. Well, where, now that where, you where it's going to work organic, where it's going to work organically, yeah. or when I have time to search the person out, which is maybe now that I'm not working as much uh, and have hiatus that I can that I can uh, devote. More now time that you to put that. that out in the world, I feel like it will yeah. come to you. I have to ask what your ring is because it looks like. Uh... Yeah, uh, it is. It's bluestone. Actually, mm-hmm. it's um, bluestone from Stonehenge. Oh um, wow! So this is your wedding ring that I'm talking. Yeah. About. So we got uh, we got engaged at the tour. Mm-hmm. which is a, 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 a kind of a, geogra- a special place in Glastonbury, England. We were on the Superman press tour mm-hmm. and doing a um, a little road trip with uh, Gil Adler and Jeannie Adler, who the, Gil was the producer of Superman and is a lovely couple. And Jeannie's from England, and so we, we were kind of doing a tour, and I told them that I wanted to you know, propose to Courtney in, in a magical place, and Jeannie, who's like a fairy godmother type woman, um, was like, oh, you got to go to the tour, and it's uh, ley lines, and it's very magical, and all this stuff. So I was like, okay. So we did that, and it was awesome. She said yes. And then, <laughs> and then I was saying, it was like, I, I kind of feel like I want a ring. Like, why does this, the, 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 fia- the fiance, the woman always get the ring. Like, I should have a ring. Why yeah. shouldn't I have a ring? Um, and so then we were in Stonehenge on the way back from our trip, and she got me one of the rings, and it's like you know fifteen dollars. Yeah, but it's actual blue stone, which is what Stonehenge stones are yep. uh, mostly made of, or all made of, composed of. And um, but it broke because it's it's a very um, not a very strong stone. So we got she ordered another one and had a ring maker in England send it to them, and they encased it in. Uh, it's not platinum. I've kind of titanium. Titanium. It's titanium. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a glue kind of holding it in. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like. I like to because I have an unconventional one too, which didn't occur to me that you could do until we were looking for rings, and I saw like a meteorite ring. I'm like, you could do that. Like I just, you know, I thought that had to be like a dumb gold band. I'm like guys. Ah, no, that, that's that. totally cool. And so, uh, yeah. So I think so. When I see someone else have that, I go, oh wow, you you figured out too. You don't. <laughs> you can have like a cool ring that means something Thinking to you outside the box. Um, I, I want to thank you for your time yeah. for being here. We, I, I think you know, I haven't really. I don't know if I've seen you do a lot of interviews, so I don't know if people really like a long form interviews. Right. So, you know, I don't know if people really had a strong sense of who you are and how your brain works, but I think they're going to be delighted <laughs> uh, after this after this podcast. Well, well thanks. I'm sure um, people tuning in at the beginning were like, oh, we're going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow and Superman, Scott Pilgrim, and Chuck, and all that stuff. And we, you know, my, my so, feel- <laughs> sorry if that's what you're looking for. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But if you listened all this way, congratulations. You know, my feeling, though, is that um, if you. Because I just kind of like to see where the conversation goes. Mm -hmm. And anything that you could say about Scott Pilgrim, you probably said during the Scott Pilgrim press tour. True. Uh, or you know any of the any of the Comic Con panels, so I feel like that's definitely out there. If you yeah. want to hear Brandon talking about Scott Pilgrim or more Legends of Tomorrow stuff, that is definitely out there in the world. There's no shortage of that. But I like these conversations because I just kind of see like, oh, this is this is how you are as a human, like as a dude, as a guy, as a person, a citizen of this planet. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I was great, and I I want to kind of look into. I want to look into the. I don't I don't know if I can handle it, but I could try it one time, and if it feels like. My my heart is going to rip through my chest, then I just won't do it anymore. Yeah, we'll find a place um, I can... If I was at my house, I'd make it for you. Oh, that's um, so nice. There's a, there's places... There are a couple places in LA that actually make it. 
I'll, I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it a shot and see how I do. Yeah, uh, and then maybe I should record the experience. I'll do a Facebook live. Yeah, uh, I think I need to go to the hospital. You guys, I need to go to Cedars. Somebody take me to the. Oh, and I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, it'll be. It'll probably be a lot of that. <laughs> please tell Courtney I said hello. I will. And please come over and hang out at our house, uh, which now has a fully functioning arcade. If you're an wow. arcade person, I, oh, yes, I am. Uh, f- uh, for Azeroth or for the Horde. Which side? Azeroth. You're Azeroth. Nice. Yeah, I was a proud paladin and priest and druid. All of the healers and all the supporters. Nice. Um, and then, uh, and I played a shaman on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I played a, a Taran shaman, and this says a lot about this. Says a lot, though. Druid. Yeah. You know, like picking, picking. You know, who, who, who are you in a campaign? Who are you in a party? Says a lot about your personality. Yeah. You know, you're a healer. You like to bring things together. You like to be, a, you know, of a, a functional uh, utility to other other people. And that says that says a lot. Yeah. The only game I'm playing right now is Dota Two. Yep. Um, and I've just been because I'm scared to play um, somebody who's going to engage. I, I I play mostly support characters in that. Yeah. Anyway, is it just is it just a time thing? Uh, well, Dota. It's just a they're they're Dota's like um mini games. Mini mini game. Yeah, the mini campaigns. Um, but I just don't want to. I don't want people yelling at me. <laughs> they will because it's easier to support than to try to be the one like carrying the game. Yeah, the gaming community is very passionate. They actually don't yell that much in the, in this game. Well, that's good. Or I, maybe I just don't care anymore. <laughs> I, don't listen, I don't look at the scrolling text so much. I just probably, that's probably part of it too. Oh, uh, Legend of Tomorrow. We should. They, they gave yeah. me. There's, there's a date. There's a specific date. So Legend of Tomorrow is Tuesday nights on the CW at 9 p.m. Um, right. and available always on uh, like on iTunes or wherever you. Yeah, and I think the CW does a new thing. That's eight days after the season finale of a show. It's on Netflix. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So a lot of options. Yeah. A lot of options. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. It was good to see you. Likewise. Thank you. I love the conversation. Yeah. Come back. Come back. Please. You, come back. Hang out. Bring back more stories. Bring back some more information on this. And then we'll uh, see if we can uh, get some fucking science going on. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. That is the end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Wilson, starring Woody Harrelson, a new comedy based on the graphic novel by Daniel Klaus of Ghost World fame, and from the director of The Skeleton Twins. Make sure to check out Wilson only in theaters starting Friday, March 24th. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.